Welcome to the latest word from the church at Severn Run. Our church is located in Severn, Maryland, and is easily accessible from anywhere in the D.C. Baltimore area. You can subscribe for regular updates or check in weekly for the latest information by using our website, severinrun.com. Thank you for visiting. And now, today's message. It is um, an amazing journey that God has called us into. I want us to begin today by reading Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through chapter 10, verses 16. And this is a a story of Jesus on the road. So um, if you would, if you've got your paper Bibles, if you would open them up and uh, gentlemen would just bring lights up enough to make sure everybody can read. And uh, if you're using electronic Bible, Matthew 9, 35 through 10, 16. Let me ask you to stand in the honor of the reading of God's word. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we want to pause and just obey your scripture. I'm asking in your name that you would send out your people, the ones who believe, the ones who are inspired by your story, who are, who are indwelt by your spirit, that you would, Father, send them out into this broken world to utterly change it and transform it in your name. Amen. Don't be seated. He called out to his 12 disciples, Uh, he called them to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, his brother Andrew, James, his brother John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, son of Altheus, Thaddeus, Simon, Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. These 12, Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or any towns of the Samaritans. This was, first of all, to to the Jewish community and then, in the book of Acts, to the rest of the world. But this was house cleaning first. Go rather to the lost sheep of Israel, and as you go, preach this message. The kingdom that is completely different than the kingdoms of this world is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, Drive out the demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Do not take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Don't take no bag for your journey or extra tunic or sandals or staff, for the worker is worth his keep. Whenever you enter a town or village, search for some worthy person there and stay at their house until you leave. And as you enter a home, give it your greeting. If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome or listen to your words, shake off the dust of your feet. I tell you the truth, it would be more bearable for Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment for that town. I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes or wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. You may be seated. Our purpose as the body of Christ, as the church, is to reach as many people as possible by creatively revealing the love of the Father through the life of the Son in the power of the Spirit. And when I say that our purpose is to reach as many people as possible, I actually mean that, to reach as many people as possible. Why? 
because people matter to God. Those of you who are parents, I pray that all of your parents, are, your, your children are actively following Jesus Christ. But if they're not, do you want someone to go after them? I pray that everyone you love is a believer and, and has a life-changing relationship with Jesus. But if not, how important is it to you that they spend eternity in heaven and not hell? Guys, I submit to you that all of all the things that we think are so important on planet Earth, that nothing is more important than the eternal destinies of men and women and boys and girls. I don't know how many people we can reach. You know, that's a part of the creative fun of this journey. We're going to find out. You know, just like when you do something athletic or, or when I'm on the bike, you know, I, I don't know how fast I can ride, you know. Um, I'm not comparing to other people. We're not comparing to other churches. But the point is, what can I do, uh, you know, with, with what God has given me? What can we do to reach as many people as possible? Through love, a creative revelation of love. And I want you to think about revelation. We're revealing a Father's love in creative, holistic ways that, that all point to Jesus and are empowered by the Holy Spirit. In 937, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into this harvest field. Ask God to raise up people who have vision and wisdom and passion and, and energy and creativity, and ask God to send these people out into the world to gather in the harvest. Guys, the simple truth is that most believers waste the eternal influence of their lives. We just do. And in John chapter 20, and 20 verses 21, um, uh, there's this picture of the disciples. This is after the resurrection. I mean, it's just fresh after the resurrection, but the disciples, you know, are, are unconvinced about the power of Jesus as Lord over the world. They, they've heard resurrection stories. Um, they've certainly been with Jesus, but, but they're not really, you know, on mission for Jesus. They've gone back to fishing. And here's the picture of the difference between being exposed to Jesus as a story as religious people and between investing your life in obeying God's voice as a son or a daughter. So Simon, Peter, and the others said, uh, you know, we're going to go back fishing. Um, the others joined him, so they went out and got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now that, that night is a picture of, of a religious life. Fruitless, tiring, um, really spent for nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. He's always full of surprises. Uh, but the disciples did not realize it was Jesus. And he called out to them, friends, key word, have you any fish? Said, no, we've been fishing all night. We got nothing. Jesus said, throw out your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. That is a picture of the choice that you and I make um, to invest our life in the kingdom of God and, and towards the redemption of the world versus uh, investing it only in work, investing it only in our advancement, investing it only in us. See, the truth is, if you spend your life on you, you've wasted your life for God and really for eternity. We need to stop whining and acting like it's just too hard to reach people for Jesus. Seriously. So, church, you know, again, not this building, body of Christ, I officially, from this day forward, do hereby uh, declare that this is a no-whining zone. 
All right? No more whining about, about, you know, how hard it is to reach people for Jesus. And, and no more whining about, I don't know enough. If you know John 3.16, you know enough. If your life has been changed by the love of God and you love Jesus, you know enough. Now, you can learn more, but you know enough. And so we, we've got to have this new attitude. I hear people all the time in churches around me, and, and we're just as broken, saying, well, we can't grow because of this reason and, and, and because of the downturn in the economy. What? You know, oh my gosh, we're the wealthiest nation in the world and the kingdom of God does not advance on human wealth. It's by faith. And all these other reasons that we give why we can't. Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. Now seriously, is Jesus a liar? Does he exaggerate? Is he unrealistic or is he the, the, the teller of truth? And if Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, then it is. And the issue with our nation not turning back to Jesus Christ is not how lost the nation is or, or this cycle of political elections. The issue is the unbelief of the church of the living God. It is a paralyzed body of Christ, which is an ugly, unbiblical picture because that's not who Jesus is. Matthew 9.37 says it all. In John 4.35, Jesus said, doesn't a farmer know when it's time to harvest? How many of you all uh, have gardens? Pastor John posted some pictures of gardens. Come on, garden people. Little garden, all right. We're able to kill plastic plants. It's a gift. We cover them with dust and then somehow something happens. I don't know. But seriously, how ridiculous is it to think that, that, that you would invest your life in, in growing things and yet not know, um, you know, and be aware enough of the realities of, of the, the harvest? When you plant, you, I, I reseeded my backyard, did a lot of work to, to get this thing, and I, I put out, and I'm looking every day for those little green things coming up. Now, the birds have been very, very happy with what I've done. And the squirrels, I have pleased both groups of animals, but... So far, I, I know what to look for. Little green shoots coming up out of, out of the ground. Doesn't a farmer know when it's time to harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. This is Jesus' invitation to get out of your own busyness, to, to, um, to right-size some of your concerns and ask yourself, is what I am most troubled by right now eternal? Will what has captured my attention and worried me most right now, will this matter in a, in a hundred years or a thousand years? And if it doesn't, then should I be giving it the priority that it's be, been getting? It, is what is troubling me in this moment functionally bigger than, than the God of the universe? And, and a lot of times the answer is, yeah, it totally is. Open your eyes. Resize life. Um, because I'm telling you, you got to look at the fields. They're completely ready for harvesting. And again, what's holding back redemption isn't the lostness of the world. It's the unbelief of the church. Guys, everything in our world is broken. But that's not a reason for whining or retreat. It is a reason for, for mission and, and, and redemption and, and healing. And the real issue, honestly, maybe the first issue isn't WWJD, you know, what would Jesus do? But it's WDJD. What did Jesus do? And we're going to look at that in Matthew 9. Jesus was inspired by God and sent. 
The Spirit of God lived in Jesus Christ and God sent him into the world. Jesus had eyes and he saw broken people. He saw people other people didn't see. He saw prostitutes. He saw people across um, racial lines, uh, religious lines. Uh, He saw value in, in what other people considered worthless people. Jesus saw. And he acted. He did something. He went. I mean, you look at verse 35, and everywhere through the Scripture, the reason we have this on the road is because it's what Jesus did. Jesus went through all the towns and villages. Jesus, uh, you know, set his eyes on the kingdom of heaven and, 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 and the mission of bringing the kingdom of God to the, to the kingdom of the earth and to redeem the broken world around him. Jesus inspires and sends. He, he comes to us and he offers to, to live inside of us, to literally uh, reanimate what was dead. Um, in the, the book of Genesis, when God forms the, 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 the male first, he, he takes the dust and he forms it with his hands and then he breathes into it the spirit of life. He, he inspires and And the breath of God brought life. And that's what Jesus does with with us as broken people. He breathes into us and his spirit lives inside of us. And we are, if we believe, inspired. And we're sent. But the church has utterly forgotten this in, in the modern world. And we too quickly and often live as consumers, as judges, as as religious people who um, stand above other people and get angry when other people sin differently than we do? You know, you, you may pick some other category of sin that you're really just ready to go to town on. You, you'll get up on your speech stump and just go for it. But how often do you do that about your own crud? Yeah, not so much, huh? Because your stuff will send you right to hell, except for Jesus. And so when you recognize that, that there's, there's this real leveling that happens. <laughs> so, so when Jesus inspires and sends us, then like him, we see broken and we act. That's, that's the movement of God. Uh, later on in that same chapter uh, that we read about, about when, when they've just brought the fish in, in John chapter 20 and verse 21, Jesus says, peace be with you. I don't want you to be anxious about this whole journey. I don't want you to get all bent out of shape. I'm, I'm with you. I've got this. Life's going to be a challenge. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. Um, so anybody preaching to you a health and wealth gospel, um, you know, they're in it for them. Uh, Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. You don't live overwhelmed, you don't live beat down, you don't live, you know, back on your heels. Take heart, live boldly with courage. You know, you you charge, you attack. I mean, grab your water pistol, the gates of hell, they're not going to stand, and you go because I have overcome the entire world. One man overcame the entire world. So Jesus said in John 21, peace be with you in my authority, as the Father has sent me, In this exact same way, I want you to get this, okay? Maybe you know this, but you don't know it. Maybe you've never heard it before, but I want you to to understand the scope of what Jesus has done to elevate our mission on earth. As the Father has sent me, in the exact same way, for the same redemptive purpose as the Father has sent me into the world, I am sending you. If you believe in me, 
then you're going to live my mission. If you believe in me, then you're going to be inspired by my life. And I don't mean just intellectually. I mean in a whole life, heart-changed kind of way. And, 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 and you're going to be so uh, connected to my work that you're going to be my body. You're going to be the body of Christ. I, in this body, while I was in the world, I touched the broken, I healed the lepers, blind people saw, deaf people heard, uh, crippled people danced, all because of what my body did at the will of God. But now you are my body. You are the body of Christ. And what I did in the world, I will do in the world through you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's the inspired part. This isn't, just, this isn't just intellectual. This is supernatural and spiritual. If you are a believer, the Spirit of God resides inside of you um, to, to fuel you, drive you, inspire you, and lead you. In these passages we're reading right here in Matthew 10, he called his disciples to them. He gave them authority and sent them out. If you believe, you're sent into broken. Guys, I want to tell you today that inspired people, uh, inspired people redeem broken life in Jesus' name. That's what we do. Uh, not in our own strength, not in our own abilities. This is all about Jesus working in us. But, but people in whom the Spirit of God lives, they run towards brokenness. They run towards it and, and, and they, they redeem in the power of God. They let God redeem through them. To redeem means to buy back, turn around, to take from dark to light, from, from fear to joy. To redeem means to put back together uh, what, was, what was utterly broken. It means dead moves to life. To redeem means bad goes to good. Redeem means worthless becomes infinitely valuable. Redeem is what God does. He is the God who redeems. Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives and one day he will stand on earth. And indeed he did in Jesus. And the truth is, um, according to the scriptures here, that, I, that, that the Redeemer still stands for other people in you as you hear God's call and you go in towards broken. So let me just kind of paint a picture of where we're going in the future as the church, uh, as the body of Christ. You see, Jesus does, just doesn't redeem disembodied souls, you know? Um, I, 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 you know, we, there's not just this kind of like spiritual ghosty thingy that, that we're going after. It doesn't work like that. Jesus redeems broken people who live in broken families uh, and broken cultures and broken systems and broken cities. And, and that's what Jesus goes after. That is, that is what he does. He reveals himself by showing compassion towards real human needs in real human time. He called the 12 disciples to him. He gave them authority to drive out evil spirits, to heal every disease and sickness, to overcome the work of hell in the lives of hurting people, and to, to bring about the healing of God. Now, I wish that we had the power to, to, to clear out the hospitals, but, but the truth is that was not the primary purpose of the healing of Jesus. The physical healing of Jesus was to demonstrate the authority of, of God and the authenticity of his, his redemptive message. All those people who were healed died again. But those who are saved are quite alive and quite well in this moment, which is the real point. When we're in the Democratic, uh, the Democratic, the, the Republic, uh, I'll get it right, the Dominican Republic. <laughs> I, I've got a friend who's in the, uh, in the Congo, and I'm, I'm you know, um, you know, these people who are there 
um, are no different than us who are here. And, um, and in, in, in the uh, Santo Domingo, the city of 4.5 million people, um, there are just churches that, that work together as believing friends in amazing, astonishing ways. Uh, it's cross-denominational lines, um, but, but they're there to redeem um, the, the lives of people. So many stories that I could tell you. Um, let me just tell you a, a couple. Um, when we were gathered one morning, um, you know, at, uh, at, they were about to feed some homeless people. And, and previously, somebody had asked them, well, how did you start the homeless ministry? And they said, well, every Sunday, because in, in, in a lot of Latin America and in other countries and in other places in the third world, things are behind walls. If you've ever been there, you know, you got a street and you get a wall and then you open it up and then life happens behind the wall. Said, well, every Sunday when we'd come to, to worship, we were having to move the homeless people out of the way. And, you know, so we just decided one day we should stop moving them and start ministering to them. It's genius, you know. Now, we haven't figured that out here in America, but, but it's genius. And, and, and in that day, we saw one young man standing ac across from us um, who was missing all of his front teeth and his lower teeth. He'd lost three fingers on his, um, I believe it was his left hand. Uh, had had his, lug, his leg horribly crushed, and, um, and all this just from a, a beating from, from drugs. And we heard similar stories over and over again. These, these were worthless throwaway people in the eyes of the culture. Uh, one lady, um, the, the tourist police, uh, uh, she was drunk and, and, and a prostitute and, and, um, and you know, had been hurt and, and the police uh, took her and, and threatened to throw her in the ocean, which happened quite frequently, you know. The tourist police are supposed to get people like that out of the way so that we as tourists don't see them. Um, another guy there, you know, a throwaway person um, had been, you know, beaten also and, and drug into a field and left and, and people cutting through the field found him and they called the police and and, and basically, the police took him to a place back farther where he wouldn't be found, um, you know, where he would just die, but, but he wouldn't, and, and finally taken to the hospital. Another person taken to the hospital there was taken down to the morgue to just die, and they put a sheet over their face, and they kept breathing, and after a few hours, they finally took him. And all these people are standing in front of us, but they're standing there with smiles on their faces. They're standing there... Um, changed people who have a new mission in life. One, one more story, um, and I apologize. It's still so fresh, honestly. It's just it's kind of hard to get out. And I've, I've been on mission in a lot of places in the world. I really, really have been blessed, you know. Um, but there was something about the purity of their love that just, that just touched my life incredibly deeply. Small little snippet of, of, of their story. We're, we're greeting people as they come in for, for their, um, to feed the homeless. And I'm just trying to, you know, I don't speak Spanish. I'm starting to learn it now. Any of you all want to help me? I'm there, you know. And, and I'm greeting people that are coming in, and, and most people are very friendly and just, you know, you know, they're just smile back, but not everybody. And one young man in, in his 20s, um, I, I, I greet, and he is just high as a kite. It, I, I would say he's been sniffing glue or something. I don't know, um, but it wasn't your high-dollar drugs he was doing. His pants were so big that, that literally 
he had to hold them. This wasn't a cool thing he was doing. This was, he found these somewhere and it, it was covering his backside. And he's holding them. Every time he let them go, they would they'd drop. So he's holding them. He's coming in. He's stumbling in. He's filthy. He's smelly. Um, his, he's got stuff in his hair. And, and, um, and, and he's just got this look in his face like, stay away from me. I greeted him. He turned to me and just snarled. I mean, it was like, back off, buddy, or I'll take care of you. And I believed him, you know, very persuasive presentation he had at that moment, you know. Um, and so I, I watched him and I prayed for him. And, and during the time of the, the telling of the Jesus story as they're meeting uh, needs, um, you know, getting ready to feed, he's nodding off. He's got the nods. You know, he's just, he's just gone. Now, let me just say, this is a worthless person in the eyes of the world. This is a throwaway person. His life expectancy is very, very short there, really. I mean, like, if he makes it another year, I'd seriously be surprised if things don't change. Um, after the feeding, uh, most people leave, but he kind of stays around. Um, and, and again, he's, he's just kind of trouble. He's just kind of angry and, and Ida. Um, Ida is about this tall and about 90 pounds. Um, she was a prostitute that the church went after and accepted as an equal. They saw infinite worth and value in her, and they loved her, and she accepted Jesus. And when she accepted Jesus, she didn't just come to church on Sunday mornings and sit. She gave her whole life to go out and reach other people for Jesus Christ. And she wasn't embarrassed about who she was because she knows who she is. Ida, um, you know, everybody else had gotten the message from this guy, stay away from me, I'm bad, I'm trouble, I'm, you know, stay away. Ida did not care. She, she got into his zone and, and, and put her hands on him, touched him, and, and, and they gather around and pray for him. And I'm telling you, um, there was just a visible change in his demeanor as they prayed for him. As they, after they prayed for him, you know, for a while, he just sat in his chair with his, his face bowed down. It had been a long time since anybody had touched him without hurting him. And there was a visible change on his face. But now he begins to sweat. Um, I mean, it's already hot, but he's just literally sweating. He's in distress. The drugs are not doing him well. Did I mention he was dirty and smelly? And, you know, Ida goes up to him. And he looks at her again and, and basically gives the go-away message. She grabs him like a mama cub picks up a, a baby cub, you know, a mama and picks up a baby cub. And she drug him over to the sink. She put her little arm around him and she just put his head under the water, turned the faucet on, and she's just cooling him down and, and washing his hair and wiping away all the junk that was on his face and everywhere else. And, and it was Jesus. Silly, smallest of the little stories that we saw. Seriously, it's just the smallest little story. But, but what's the point? Where other people saw anger, danger, or worthlessness, she had the eyes of Jesus to see someone for whom Jesus died. And she went in the authority of Jesus to love this guy just passionately. Guys, I don't know where he is right now, but I know that he experienced unconditional love um, in Ida's hands, in Ida's touch. 
And I know that Ida experienced unconditional love and, and moved from being a prostitute and an addict to this, this beautiful servant of God, giving her whole life for the cause of Jesus. And I know that's the movement of salvation that the church of the living God in America is, is skipping. We get our salvation and we think that the, the point is to make us more comfortable and more happy and we become completely blind to the broken around us. We look at people of different color and we say, I don't go there. We, we don't see the brokenness in the burbs um, and so we're certainly not gonna look in the, in the brokenness of the city and we say it's not safe there. It ain't safe anywhere. You're gonna die on planet Earth. You go get in your safest place and you're gonna die. That's why we need a savior. Guys, the point is that Jesus reveals himself by showing compassion towards real human needs in real human times. He sent out the disciples and they changed people's lives. They touched them. They went out of their way to find broken people and they, they ministered the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's gonna look different in our day than in their day, but it's gonna have the same effect. People are gonna come to know Jesus. Because inspired people redeem broken life in Jesus' name. Holistic evangelism uh, may sound liberal to you, but I'm just telling you, again, it's the path of Jesus. Jesus just didn't go after disembodied souls. He touched broken and sweaty and dirty people. He touched those who were prostitutes. He touched those who were lepers. Jesus touched human beings, people. And they had needs and they had issues. And he wrapped his love around all of them and all of their issues. And holistic evangelism measures the value of people by the value of the blood of Christ. And it looks at a broken world and it sees the possibilities of making a difference as demonstrated by the possibilities of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What's too hard for God? And the re reality is that relationship really is everything. It's what Jesus died to offer us, and it's what we need to go and offer other people, not as superiors, not as people who've got it all together, but as one broken person, uh, saved and redeemed by God, offering the friendship of God to another broken person. We go as broken people. Relationship is everything. We move towards others seeking relationship first, not, not as superiors, not as people who can just do something for somebody else and then walk away. No, we go seeking relationship with them so they can have relationship with Jesus forever. In Matthew 25, 40, the scripture says, the king will reply, I tell you the truth, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers, you did for me. It matters that we go into the broken because that's where Jesus is. And Jesus is out there in, in our broken um, you know, city and our broken homes and he's waiting for us to show up and to dare to believe that, that the gospel of his salvation can make a difference and change things. Isaiah 58, 6 through 8 says, Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor with wander with shelter and when you see the naked person to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood when you do these things then your light will break forth like dawn and your healing will quickly appear then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the lord your god will be your rear guard the reality is that the church of the living god has refused to be the body of christ in a broken world 
We've refused to go in love to, to, to build uh, eternal friendships, to offer the salvation of Christ. We've, we've, uh, we've made the gospel something less than it is. We've, we have a small vision of its redemptive power. I'm telling you, in the 50s and 60s, let's just start randomly there. The church of the living God ignored the sin of racism in our culture. Now, now the liberals, the ones we call unbelievers, they were all over it. But us, us believers, us conservative people, no, 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 we weren't going to, those are social issues. Oh, like you don't live in a family? Oh, like you don't live in a culture? Oh, like you don't, you're not called to, to be salt and light? Where are you supposed to be salt and light? Well, in, in, on Sunday morning, we're salt and light for an hour and five minutes. And if the pastor goes long, we get mad because we can't have too much salt or light. No, you're supposed to be salt and light in a broken world. That's the call of God. But the church of the living God, you know, we refuse to, to, to live our call and to see broken. And, and we, didn't, we didn't present the gospel in a holistic way. And the truth is we compromised our belief. We set back and misrepresented the love of God. And I'm just telling you, as I, I think of the churches um, when I was in college, I brought a friend of mine to, to, a, to a small little Arkansas church. And, and, and I had people get up and leave. Well, they made the mistake of letting me preach a week or two later. I only got to preach once more at that church, but they made the mistake of letting me preach. And, and, and I'm telling you in the name of, of Jesus that, that that resulted from this narrow, unbiblical view of the difference we're supposed to make in a broken world. We are supposed to change individuals. We're supposed to change families. We're supposed to change systems. We're supposed to change cultures. We're supposed to be salt and light everywhere in everything. But guys, the inspiration to redeem broken begins with a compassion to see it. And something has to happen in you and in us that we are broken and we see when Jesus saw the people in chapter 9, verse 36, he had compassion on them. And to see, you have to get out of your comfort zone and go and care about people who are, who are different than you, but really who are not different than you at all. And even in the burbs, we live in masses, spiritual and relational poverty that we have to, that we have to go towards, even as we go towards the city. So guys, we've been given divine authority and ability to redeem a broken world. And, and the, the plan is right there in Scripture. Be crystal clear on the message. They tell them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Meet real human needs with faithful generosity. Um, raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely you give. We, we, we go with a confident generosity. We go with what we have, not with what we don't have. Don't take a bunch of stuff with you. Uh, don't, don't get the idea that you, you need a lot of resources to do this because you don't. All you need is faith and the willingness to go. If you give what you have, it'll always be enough. And be eternally smart. Reveal the attractiveness of God and don't you ever dare use the gospel as a, as a tool to make yourself look good in the eyes of other people. So guys, here's what I want you to do today. I want you... To, to stop wasting your life. I want me to stop wasting my life uninspired by the Holy Spirit. If you live your life for you, you've wasted your life for God. It's time that the church of the living God, the body of Christ, was inspired by the mission and the message of Christ. Secondly, accept your call. You and I are going to make a commitment to be the body of Christ in a broken world. 
And it's going to start in our families, and, and it's going to start in our workplaces, and it's going to start in our, in our meeting the needs in the burbs, and, and it's going to go into, into Baltimore City and, and Curtis Bay and Brooklyn, Brooklyn Park, Catonsville. It's going to go. It has to if it's real. And lastly, when you see something broken this week, get busy working to redeem it. Creatively reveal the love of the Father through the life of the Son in the power of the Spirit. That's our call. And if you are inspired by the story of Jesus, then you're going to have compassion on the stories of others. And you're not going to let other people uh, write a godless story, a hopeless story, a story of brokenness. You're not going to let somebody who's been sexually abused as a child live their whole life searching for love. You're going to tell the story of Jesus and lead them to love. You're not going to stay away from people who are racially different than you. And if you've been hurt by prejudice, you're not going to be prejudiced back. That's not you and Jesus. And we're not going to sit around and say, what's in it for us? We have been given much. We're going to give away all that we can in generosity to to redeem a broken world because Jesus said, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. So I'm going to ask you to stand up with me right now. And I'm going to ask for, for brokenness on our part repentance on our part, uh, passion and compassion on our part to hear the call of God and to go into the world. What I'm asking you to do, first of all, if you don't know Jesus, I'm asking you to let him redeem your story and turn it around. And if you know Jesus, what I'm asking you to do this morning is to to let God redirect your life to be sent out to redeem a, a broken world. I'm going to ask you to kneel and ask God for forgiveness for your selfishness. I'm going to ask you to kneel and to to pray for for the people you know that don't yet know Jesus. If everybody in your circle of of influence is saved and is going to spend eternity with God, then you, you don't have to do anything in these next few moments. But if you know one person, one person whose story right now is in danger of spending an eternity suffering apart from the love and the relationship with God, then I'm going to ask you to passionately in these moments to pray with all of your heart for their salvation and then to play your God-sent part in their redemption story. So whether you kneel here, whether you kneel in the aisle, whether you kneel if you can, if your knees don't work, then then you stand and pray. That's fine. (laughs) But I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, if you've been inspired to get busy redeeming. Father God, this is our prayer. And I'm asking that you would do something amazing in the churches that have run in the days and weeks and years to come that would result in a changed world. Give us eyes to see the harvest. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today at the church at Severn Run. Please visit our website at severnrun.com for church service information, staff directories, or for prayer requests. And if you're in the D.C. Baltimore area, we'd love to have you join us at 8187 Telegraph Road in Severn, Maryland. We look forward to worshiping with you.